<laughs> Cole asked me to come and share my story, and um, it's a. Uh, I'm not the person I was before, and so this is like where I started, how I got here, and where I'm going next. So there will be three parts to this this message. Um, and so I'll give you an outline. The first one is about praying for your children. The second one is about trusting God. The third is trust the mystery. Believe in the mystery. Um, and if there, if we're fortunate, there might be time afterwards for questions and answers. And I will be glad to field any questions you might have that arise during my presentation here. If there is not time for more questions than we have time for, write them down and I'll be glad to respond in a blog. Because I'm hoping that this will be more than just me telling my story. I hope there will be things that you can take away as well. I'm not alone. I do not own all the credit nor all the blame. Bridges burned and lessons learned. I live the story of my name. The story of my name. That's the title of what I'm talking about tonight. This is my story. And this is my song. <laughs> it's a good thing to raise your children in the church. But it's no guarantee they'll turn out right. I've uh, heard it said that God does not have any grandchildren, and I believe that. I'm a case in point. Um, most of you know I'm a veteran, Army veteran. I uh, served in the Army during the Vietnam War. You know that, that Class A uniform, we called it, we had a lot of story on our uniform. Uh, you could tell by looking at my uniform, same with Marines, sailors, Airmen, Coast Guards, Coast Guardsmen. Tell us a lot about who's wearing that uniform. Accomplish, accomplishments like ribbons and medals and uh, commendations, uh, where he or she has served, where they're serving now, how long they've been in the service, got those lovely hash marks there, and the name tag. Nobody here has got that kind of uniform on. So we can't tell much about each other's identity or past just by looking. You know my name, Steve Brown. Uh, when I was born, I was given the name Stephen Frank Brown. Stephen for the first Christian martyr in Acts, you can read about his story. Also Stephen for the dean of the college where my parents graduated in Oklahoma. Frank for my grandfather, Frank Irvin Brown. He was a a harness maker turned cobbler. Also, Frank for my, my dad's middle name, George Frank Brown. That's my name. No doubt you can tell stories about the origin of your name, who you were named after. But that's the name you were given at your birth, or when you were adopted, perhaps. It's what you add to that name that determines your identity. And you, nobody here, is a nobody. You're more than just a name. How will people remember you? 
What stories will people associate with your name? For example, what stories and images come to mind when I mention the names Abraham Lincoln, the Apostle Paul, Adolf Hitler, Beethoven, Elvis, Jesus? Just the name of a person brings to mind all we know about who they were. So as I tell you the story of my name, keep in mind that we are all writing our stories every day. The things people remember about us when we're no longer with them, whether we've moved apart or died. Chapter 1. Pray for your children. Each of us is a product of our parents, our childhood, our education, our experiences. God is bigger than any of those. He's the biggest part of your story, I trust. I was raised in the church, loving parents. My dad is a preacher. As a matter of fact, I was born on a Saturday night, and the next day was the only excused absence I ever had from church. <laughs> raised in a Christian home, uh, loving people. They loved Jesus, they loved each other. Uh, got three brothers, one sister. I have great memories of laughter around the table, uh, teasing each other. There was always music. Uh, it's a great place, great place to grow up. Um, I also grew up as a nerd, and still am. If you walk a mile in my shoes, you'll end up at the library. <laughs> I see some heads nodding. There's other folks here like that. Being a preacher's kid has certain advantages and challenges. Uh, people expected me to be perfectly behaved. I wasn't. Okay. Really. And, um, but everybody knew my name. It was Stephen, the pastor's kid. Um, I didn't know anybody else's name. <laughs> Just a few, okay? I still have that problem, so if I miss some names, I'm doing my best, okay? Um, so, being in church a lot, I heard a lot about Jesus and God, but I was a bystander. I did not participate. I didn't let that stuff in. I was safe here. In, I, in my books, later on in my guitar, I could hide behind my guitar. Um, but I didn't catch what was being said about God and Jesus. I wasn't even sure how to pronounce this name. Jesus, <coughs> Jesus, and it was not part of my vocabulary. When I was about 10, I was baptized, and that was to please my parents. This was the age when kids in our church were were married, baptized, excuse me. I was not married at age 10. <laughs> it, it was not that kind of church, okay? <laughs> I was baptized, okay. Baptized at 10. But I was, that wasn't because I had any personal relationship with God, with Jesus, it was to please my parents. Um, thing about that is, if you can be talked into something, you can be talked out of it. So, looking back, I consider myself, at that point, I was a deist. 
A deist is someone who believes God exists, but he does not have any interest in me. I knew God existed because I could see the stars, I could see the veins and the leaves, all the things that that are evidence of God's creation in nature. But as far as I knew, he kind of made things and kind of set them spinning and sat back and watched. It wasn't my parents' fault I didn't get it. It wasn't my church's fault I didn't get it. It was my fault. I was not paying attention. God had to get my attention. He wanted to get my attention. So I ended up getting myself into a jam that only he could get me out of. I am intentionally trying to avoid cliches, but here's one. We cannot control what life throws at us. We just control how we respond. Okay? I can say that because it's true, right? Life threw freedom at me, and I did not respond well. Um, I went to college after high school for three semesters and was not doing very much except drinking beer and illegally at that point and spending my parents' money. So I thought, this is a waste of their money and my time. I don't want to keep going to school if I don't know what I'm doing. So I thought, I'll drop out. I've got this freedom, but at the same time, I've got this thing hanging over me. It's called the draft. The social security, social service. Selective service. I remember that. Yeah, you remember that too, Will. Um, I knew they were going to get me once they found out I was out of school. So I dropped out, told them I'm dropping out, and say, how about if I show up, report for duty at this point and this date? They said, we can live with that. So my first chance at freedom, I joined the army. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a rebel, yeah. So my training wheels came off, and I started learning other lessons. One lesson we all eventually learned that every kid should be given a a card when they are able to read and read read to them before that. The card says, welcome to the world, prepare to be inconvenienced. (laughs) We've all been there, right? So my choices, I was, after my training in the United States, I was sent to West Germany to a town called Aschaffenburg. my choices at that point, I got a couple of promotions and became the company supply sergeant, which is a, a position of some authority and some responsibility. But that was not my life. My life came after I was off duty. And I'd go, go out to the enlisted men's club and start drinking beer. Do I look like I'm going to fall down? No, it wasn't you. It was a group here. I will try not to entertain you so much, okay? <laughs> um, so I was drinking a lot, and 
to the point of, well, you don't need to know all the, the really, really nasty, ugly stuff of throwing up on the way home. Anyway, uh, then I discovered pot. At that, in that part of the world, in that time of life, was hashish. So I got into smoking hash and drinking beer. Um, um, I uh, started smoking hashish, got into some petty crime of stealing things and trying to resell them. I was a jerk. Like I said, you would not recognize me. I've become a nice guy, thank God. Um, no respect. Um, that'd be something for a whole different expose. Um, so I, I look back and wonder was I addicted to pot can you get addicted to pot um, there's a, a range that goes like from interest to a hobby to a passion to an obsession to an addiction well, I was somewhere with this end I don't know if I was physically addicted but I know that when I was not high I was thinking about getting high looking forward to getting high um, I was a Christian. I mean, I've got my dog tags right here. It says Stephen Frank Brown, RA 54493845, B positive, that's my blood, blood type, and a Christian. So I'm a Christian, it says right there. And I found it quite amusing that my name, Stephen, reflects back on Stephen and Acts, the first Christian to get stoned. <laughs> Do I need to back up? Uh, no more playing this. No more playing this. <laughs> 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 I don't know if I can check here. Okay. Okay, no more playing this. Um, but I found that I could keep staying functional, maintain my duties, not get caught, and I was able to function, get away with a lot. No, it's not turned up. Did it back up, I think? Let's move up here. Okay. You're just a little bit quieter than Cole is. And not much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're behind the speakers. Okay. So everybody clap a lot. <laughs> Next time we'll know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to step out from behind this thing, but I won't come forward. <clears throat> because i got to tell you about a pivotal moment. Um, because I was in that, that culture, that counterculture of using marijuana, the hashish, I discovered acid, LSD. And um, so for about a year, I was getting stoned or drunk or both every night. And on the weekends, I'd take a trip. <laughs> I don't know why my brain still works. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. There's still some short circuits going on right now. Um, it came to a head on December 19, 1970. I was a few months shy of getting out of the army. 
And on a Saturday night, I was tripping with my friends. They were playing cards. And I was over there just watching. And all of a sudden I realized, I don't know these guys. I know their names. I know nothing about them. The more I thought about it, the more alone I felt. It is a very dangerous thing for a person on an acid trip to start self-examining. <laughs> yeah, some, some of you have done that too? Yeah. I, see, I see some nodding heads, okay? So, um, when I started realizing this, I went up to the day, the day room, people were, were shooting pool and playing ping pong, and I felt more and more alone because I don't know these guys. So I, gotta, I thought, I just got to take some, take a walk, clear my head, get some air. I bundled up. In Germany, in the middle of December, it's cold. It's like below zero somewhere. But I bundled up and started walking up to my favorite hillside, uh, up above a Schaffenberg, because I'd often go up there for recreational walks. And uh, I thought, just clear my head, get someplace I know is safe. But the, far, the closer I got to that hill above a Schaffenberg, the, uh, you know what a whirlpool is like? It's spinning and spinning and going faster and faster, but it gets to the, to the center, there's less happening. That was my brain. I felt like I was, I was going nuts. I was losing my brain. I was losing my mind. A bad trip is not a bummer. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I, only God, only God. Um, it was a nightmare. It was the closest I have ever been to hell. This would have been a good time to pray, except I didn't believe in a God that was active in this universe. Um, I did not believe that he heard prayers. I certainly didn't believe he was able or willing to heal. It would never have occurred to me to ask. I didn't know anything like that. There's no help. I was alone. But God saw. Nobody knew where I was, except him. As I started up that hill, I was prepared to get up to this bench at the top of the hill, lie down, and freeze to death. That was fine by me because I was scared out of my mind. At that moment, two things happened. I felt a touch, a physical touch, on the back of my head from something immense, but something tender. It was like a big balloon touched me. And at the same moment, I heard, almost to the point of actual hearing, but I heard children singing, Jesus loves me. Is that, is that square or what? Yeah. But that's, that's what, was what I heard. And I knew that God had touched me. That scared me even more. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, he's coming for me. <laughs> I'm going up and lie down. Take me, I don't care. Just stop this nightmare. 
I didn't find him, he found me. When I laid down, closed my eyes, not knowing what comes next, and I don't know if I was out for five minutes or an hour or more, but when I woke up, I stood up, and my head was clear. I was calm. I had the peace that we'd been, you know, hey, brother, peace. I had that peace inside. And I looked down through the trees at the lights of a Schaffenberg, and they weren't going like this. <laughs> they were twinkling a little bit. And I, I realized, somehow, God, you healed me. And I knew who it was, what he'd done. And I promised I'll never do acid again. <laughs> it took a lot longer to swear off the pot, okay? <laughs> I found out later that my parents had been praying for me all along. They didn't know what I was in. They didn't know my situation, my, the fears, the guilt, the pain, the despair. <clears throat> they didn't know that, but God did, and he's the only one who can heal that stuff. So when I say pray for your children, I ask you to pray specifically that you pray that God makes himself real to them as only he can. However he does it, I hope it's not as painful as mine, but God knows how to reach each one of us. Chapter 2. Got out of the service, went home, went back to college, and... uh, got in with a group called the Navigators, a Bible study group, uh, which was there at my college. New Mexico State University, by the way, in case anybody wonders. Um, it's, a, it's an interactive thing that gives you a book to look at the scriptures, and it asks you a question, and you respond how that, from, from those scriptures. And so I started learning stuff. Um, I need to sing you a song. The, uh, and I'll be careful. No, you're good now. I found it. I found it. Um, they have created us. They have created us to find a scripture to make our own. They call it a, a life verse or whatever. And so I found a, a scripture, the only way I could memorize it was. It's Psalm 1. I'm going to sing through it twice because the first time the psalm begins, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the living God. But sing it again. Blessed is the woman who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Not to be politically correct, but because it honors and encourages, exhorts women. God gives us good stuff.
chapter 2 then I called it do your best to serve and trust God but there is so much more to it than that it's more than just doing our best it's seeking the Holy Spirit it's learning about this guy Jesus learning about who God is his grace Um, we learn from our mistakes and some of us have learned more than others right that's me. I've learned from my mistakes, and I'll keep making more. Don't worry about it. Um, failed marriages, failed investments. I've lost trust in people. They've lost trust in me. Uh, I was downsized once, fired twice. That's just the highlights, okay? One thing I've learned, and I hope you get this too, is that The statement is, I made a mistake, not, I am a mistake. Amen. Amen. We're more than what's going on inside us. 
God's got these grand designs that we discover day by day, maybe. Minute by minute. So, one thing I've discovered is I've gotten older, and I have gotten older, thank God for that. Um, you learn a lot about medicine. <laughs> um, first hand. Um, partial list here. High BP, GERD, ED, tinnitus, hearing loss, arthritis, hair loss. Those are the obvious ones. And so I treat these, these medical situations with diet, exercise, medicine, and laughter. I married my best audience, Miss Marcia. Yeah. One thing that has been a difficult thing for me is staying straight. I mean, I quit pot back in New Mexico, and I moved to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Even though it is now legal to go down the street by myself, some and roll it up and smoke it, I made a promise to Marcia. We were married. Oh, thank, thanks for the warning. <laughs> she is not she's not legal in Lewis County. Um, the uh, but I made a promise to Marcia, and that promise I made has given me strength because I care about what she thinks. I, I read this statement about staying straight. Whatever it is, the demon that you're battling. Alcohol, pot, hard drugs, whatever it is. There's dozens of things out there. This statement about staying straight, we, we can't seem to kill the beast within. Only wound him and keep him at bay with all our strength. And I would add to that, God's strength. He strengthens us. We, uh, we start to understand his unfailing love as we go through these things. His grace, which is always there. We discover that God is good. People, not always. <laughs> I'll take a little rabbit trail here to tell you about something that happened Wednesday morning. No. Rabbit, one rabbit trail. <laughs> um, Wednesday morning. I told Brandy about it. Uh, I was on the way to come pick you up. Um, you know the, the frontage road over here that goes from Mellon Street down to Walmart, in that area down there? That new frontage road that's 50 miles an hour, then becomes 35, and makes a, a sharp turn. And there was a truck passing another vehicle in that no-passing zone. <laughs> He was doing a lot more than 50. And he was coming into that curve. He wasn't slowing down. Where it turns, where it becomes 35 miles an hour, that's when I saw him. I was coming the other way. He was in my lane. I had no time to react. He got over there. This all happened like that fast. He got out of my lane just as I got where he was. I think two things for that. God, 
it was not my time, right? God was looking out for me. Also, he has encouraged me to develop good habits. I was doing 35, approaching that corner. If I'd have been doing 38, I would not be here right now. I would either be in the hospital or on section three of this message. <laughs> um, so as we learn to trust God, we learn who, what other people we can trust. Marcia and I are one person. I don't know if we are Mariv or, or Starsha. <laughs> start signing my name like that, right? <laughs> We've learned to trust each other through sacrifices we made for each other. Uh, Marsha left, when she came to New Mexico and ended up meeting, meeting me, she left behind the security of her familiar area, her family and friends, and she moved to the desert. I left New Mexico, my homeland, for Marsha's health. I left behind my desert my green chili, my cats. But those sacrifices are worth it. They've strengthened us. We also share passions. Uh, we both love cooking, music, crossword puzzles, nature drives, and Jesus. Prayer is what brought us together. And some of you have heard our story about how we met, but I won't go in, on that rabbit trail tonight, because that's another half hour. We share our burdens. Uh, she puts up with my tinnitus. And I put up, I put up with, I adjust to and address and support her in her chronic pain. Also, we discovered that we were both hermits when we were kids. I had my, my cave picked out on my favorite mountain there in southern New Mexico. Um, I was such a hermit that, so introverted that Marsha is still learning about me. When I t gave her a, a test run on this message, she said, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm a man of mystery. She's <laughs> 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 telling her that. <laughs> so we are two hermits, and I have discovered that it is better to be with her than to be alone. We sing good songs. We take them to heart. I encourage you to sing good songs. Take them to heart. Um, as you let God move in your life and trusted people move in your life, you need to show what you're made of, not try to be somebody else, no matter how much you admire them. I can't be Russell Wilson. <laughs> And I don't want to be a presidential candidate. I don't know anybody there. Yeah? <laughs> I, I'm learning to be myself. And, and uh, God is helping me in that. Yay. So, <laughs> all that, all that has preceded is the story of my name. You've each got stories of your names you're writing to. So up to this point, I've been telling you things I know to be true because I experienced them. Now I will talk about things I do not know. Chapter 3 is Believe in the Mystery. This quote from Tom Clancy, I believe. 
Time is the ultimate commodity. You are born with only so much to spend, and there's no passbook to tell you the exact amount. There's no passbook to tell us the exact amount. The, the scriptures say it's appointed to man once to die. Shakespeare put it this way. We owe God a death. And he follows that up with a statement about if we die this year, we don't have to pay that debt next year. Once. You get to die once. As we start to fade, our abilities fade, we continue to serve God, I get to pass along my love of music. Um, pass along the joy. And the, the people I'm teaching, you know, I don't know if they'll ever be rich and famous and point to Steve Brown as their, as their first teacher. I want them to get the joy. I get to pass that along as my, as my years fade. We don't get all the answers about what happens after we stop breathing. And I love that. Um, also, I read this. When death is the door into God's own presence, it's nothing to fear anymore. When we have that assurance. So I'm not sure what to expect after my last breath here. If things go according to, they should go chronologically, most of you should be here when there's a memorial service for me. Here. One request I have, don't wear black. Don't wear black. Wear colorful things. Hawaiian shirts, shorts. I want you to celebrate because I am living life, loving it. I am enriched by the people around me, by the things I get to do. And I'm going to be in God's presence, which is the only thing better than this. So celebrate. So when I get on the other side, what happens then? Do I get to sing forever? Play guitar that never goes out of tune? No feedback? Never. <laughs> Will I get to fly like Superman? I picture endless frisbee meadows and good knees and unbroken collarbones. And anyway, I'd like to see the inside of a star. But God may be preparing me now for what he's got, another task on the other side. We're in his hands. He is not worried about what we are doing. We should not worry about what he's doing. We need to trust him. He has always been faithful, even when I am not, even when we are not. So I encourage you, believe in the mystery. It's there, it's real, and it's, it's something to look forward to. So do your best to love and trust God with the help of the Spirit. Pray for your children. Pray with your children. Pray for your parents. Pray for your brothers and sisters, your family. Pray for your friends. If you don't know God, Pray for yourself that God makes himself real to you because he will. I pray gently. 
Pray that God makes himself real to those you love. Remember that you're writing the story of your name. Make sure you include Jesus' name in there.